Hello and welcome to the Being Well podcast. My name is Forrest Hansen. Today we're starting the first episode focused on our new topic of mindfulness, which we'll be exploring in four different episodes over the next month. Today we're primarily focusing on the concept of steadying the mind and particularly looking at how you can really use mindfulness in a practical way in your day-to-day life. I'm joined today, as always, by Dr. Rick Hansen. Dad, how are you doing tonight? Really good. Happy to be here. Mindfulness has become an increasingly mainstream topic. Yeah. Uh, once you've made it to the cover of Time magazine, <laughs> that's kind of the sign that you're, you're in the broader American <laughs> consciousness. But more in the context of what we're doing here, which is really focused on strength development, how do you think about mindfulness? How do you use that term in your work? How do you use that term in your life? as opposed to that kind of just spacious awareness of sitting on the cushion. It reminds me of this uh, quotation from the godfather of psychology in America, William James. To paraphrase a little bit, he said, the capacity to bring back a wandering attention is absolutely fundamental to being your own person. And then he went on to say that the education of attention would be the education par excellence. So it's in that larger context that this uh, notion of mindfulness is so relevant and useful because if you're not mindful, you're forgetful. Uh, People define (laughs) mindfulness in different ways these days. Uh, Sometimes the word is so stretchy, it hardly means anything at all. I go back to the roots of it in the ancient Indian meditation traditions 2,500 or so years ago, in which uh, mindfulness was was defined as essentially sustained moment-to-moment presence. Mm. You are recollected, you are gathered together, you are collected together in the present moment continuously. And that quality of simple present moment awareness can be applied externally or internally to a truck driving next to you on the freeway or to the subtle ebb and flow of your own thoughts and feelings. And you can apply that sustained present moment awareness with a really wide open focus. So you're picking up everything really wide field. Or you can bring your focus together, kind of like concentrating the rays of the sun in a magnifying glass Mm -hmm. to a single white-hot point with deep, penetrating concentration. I think that that's how most people think about mindfulness, that second use case that you're describing where we really focus on the one thing, where we're we're pouring the tea, Uh and we only see the water pouring through the tea leaves, or you're sitting and meditating and you're only thinking about the breath. And, and nothing, everything else kind of falls away in that. But you're sort of describing these two different kinds of mindfulness that we can have. Is that more or less right? Yeah. Uh, the, the one you were referring to, people often will talk about that as concentration, mm. where you're mm-hmm. really zeroed in. And you could say also where you're one with the experience. You're really one with the pouring of the tea. Sure. That's really great. On the other hand, uh, it's very useful often to use what's called open awareness or choiceless awareness, in which you just sort of relax and step back and are really present with the whole stream of consciousness rolling by, picking Mm. up every little wave in the river, every little uh, beer can floating down the river as well, or old shoe, picking up every detail without trying to interfere in it. And that goes to a key part of mindfulness too, that mindfulness itself is neutral. Mm. Uh, It itself does not interfere. It's not inherently a good thing, Mm -hmm. although very often what tends to come along with growing mindfulness is a growing quality of self-acceptance and warming the heart. But to me, just a key point here to make 
briefly and then we can keep going, is that mindfulness is not at odds with active efforts inside your own mind. In other words, nor is mindfulness at odds with just functioning. You can be extremely mindful of simultaneously the play of emotion on the face of your partner or your son, while simultaneously being really tuned in to the internal sensations of your own body, while simultaneously making dinner together or having an argument. It's all possible. Sometimes people talk about mindfulness as if it's somehow at odds with making active efforts to release what's painful and grow the good. That's a deep misunderstanding of mindfulness. Okay, so what you're to kind of break down one element of what you just said there, mindfulness is just kind of a tool. It's not an inherently good or an inherently bad thing. Right. And I think that what you're speaking to is that there is maybe a little bit of a tendency to describe mindfulness as being this good thing that we should try to go out and have. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been Have you been mindful today right. as the bumper sticker, you yeah. know, on the car in front of you? Whereas the real question is, what are you using your mindfulness to do? I think, is that more or less what That's you're saying? so well said. Okay, great. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Are you using your mindfulness to pick a lock in your neighbor's house sure. to break in? You can very mindfully do that, yeah. I'm sure. Or are you very mindfully really understanding your child, mm. or very mindfully becoming, um, I call it granularity of mindfulness, where mm. you're able to tune in more and more acutely to your own internal sensations, emotions, thoughts, and so forth, as in almost any other area, picking up finer and finer distinctions of information is really useful, whether you're trying to drive a car or cook spaghetti or be more skillful with your partner, being more awake and aware and tuned in is really useful. Yeah. You've already unpacked this a little bit to a degree in what you were saying previously. Our focus here is on growing strengths. So why is mindfulness important in that context? You're describing Mm -hmm. mindfulness as a tool that we use to do a thing. But I think that most people think of mindfulness as a more passive action. You know, you, you sit and you meditate you sit and you watch the tea to keep on returning to that example, that mindfulness is kind of passive right. and it's occurring alongside something that's active. Yeah. So are you describing using mindfulness like in a more active sense to grow something? And if so, how? Yep. So a few points. One, mm-hmm. it's easy to take mindfulness to grant for granted and to think you're being mindful when you're not. Mm. Uh, research, for example, shows that roughly 50% of the time, the average person has a wandering mind. It's striking how quickly we spin out into what I call the simulator inside ourselves, where we start running little mini-movies, little fantasies, little thought bubbles, little cascades of um, how to approach a situation or running regrets and resentments about past situations. People should not underestimate the degree to which they're not home, especially in our culture, which is bombarding us with stimulation and training us to go into these kind of internal fantasy worlds, point one. Point two, if you're trying to grow something inside yourself, as we've talked before, the way we grow the good inside ourselves is in two fundamental and necessary steps. First, you got to experience it. Second, you got to internalize it. And what mindfulness does is it helps us be aware of what we're experiencing in the first place. So we can recognize and register beneficial experiences, especially if they're high-priority experiences for us. So first point, mindfulness helps you recognize the good stuff to take in 
And second, mindfulness helps you sustain awareness of that experience for the five or 10 or more seconds it actually takes for that experience to begin its process of making a permanent change or a lasting change rather in neural structure or function so that its residues actually sink into you and become a part of you as a resource you can take with you wherever you go. So to kind of say that back to you for a moment and to use a phrase that you're fond of to a degree, we're effectively turning passing experiences things that move through the sieve of our awareness into lasting traits that we install inside the brain. That's right. Great. And the mechanism that we're using to do that is by paying attention to those passing experiences. So if we don't pay attention to the quality passing experiences, and particularly, probably, if we get hijacked by all those other things in the field of awareness that you were describing that, you know, may not be so quality, that's when we're not as capable to develop any strength that we want to develop. You're totally right. And this funny weird metaphor, it just came mm-hmm. to me right there. It's as if all of us spend our days seated at the banquet table of life. Mm-hmm. And then continuously, the magic chefs bring one dish after another. All the different experiences. Yeah, one a different perception, a different sensation, a different emotion, desire, thought, and so forth. If we're going to take in that food, Number one, we've got to be present at the banquet table and aware of the dish that's been set before us. And second, if we're going to get the nourishment of that food, we need to be mindful of eating it, right? So if you're not aware of the dish set before you, or even if you're aware of the dish set before you, but you don't eat it, well, you're not going to gain from it. Mm -hmm. And the kind of embedded implicit benefit actually as well is is kind of given in the example as you become more mindful you're naturally moved increasingly to gratitude to awe while also often as you become more mindful you become more aware of your own suffering and the suffering of other people yeah i felt like that was the natural next question really yeah it's important to appreciate the fact that if they start becoming really mindful of what's in the basement of their own psyche, if they mm-hmm. pop open the trap door there, sometimes they can be flooded by what's there. So they, mm-hmm. should, they should be cautious. Mindfulness, just like you said earlier, it's a tool. And mm-hmm. like any tool, it can lead to trouble if it's not used wisely. So that said, usually, as people become more mindful, they become more resilient, and they also tend to become happier and more skillful in their relationships with others. Why do you think that is? I think it's because they get, in a loose use of the word, smarter. They become more huh, aware of okay. what's going on. I mean, you just, hmm. as you become more, it's like uh, driving a car. Uh, imagine driving a car with one eye closed and the other you're one. You're on your phone, you're yeah, not paying you, attention, you're texting your buddy. Sure. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to be as skillful a driver mm-hmm. as if you're just, boom, boom, fully dropped in and fully present. To sort of use the example of the car, how does mindfulness work in everyday life? It's sort of one thing to be mindful when you're yeah. you know, sitting on the cushion meditating. And mm-hmm. I think that we sort of think of mindfulness as a thing that we do rather than as a thing that exists as we move through the world. Mm-hmm. How can we develop that capacity for day-to-day mindfulness, moment-to-moment mindfulness? Right. So there's the why and the how, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of the whys is that attention is our most fundamental property. And all day long, various people and various forces are trying to steal it from us. They're trying to take our attention. And for me, there's something that's fundamental here about autonomy. Being your own person, 
being in some fundamental sense the captain of your own ship as you move through life uh, through being really aware of where your attention is resting and being able to pull it away from what's harmful or painful for you and for others, resentments, regrets, self-criticism, useless fantasies, let's say, and also to be able to plop your attention on what is useful and keep it there, breath after breath, drawing it into you. That's absolutely fundamental to self-reliance and autonomy and being your own person. Second point, if you want to become more mindful, you're exactly right for us. Most of the time that we need to be mindful is not in any kind of formal practice. Yoga, Tai Chi, meditation, prayer, any kind of formal practice. As beneficial as those are, mindfulness is for everyday life. For me, a big part of the value of mindfulness is being able to get in between the moment of having a thought and your reaction to the thought. Because the brain fundamentally, to me at least, is a pretty unreliable narrator. Um, It's constantly looking for for something to want. It's constantly looking for the thing that made you mad or the thing that made you upset or why did that person look at me that way or whatever it might be. And a big part of just happiness, kind of stepping outside of strengths development and just looking at sort of the most basic strength of all, how do we be happy, is about learning how to not lie to yourself, but how to incline your attention towards the elements of your life that bring you joy. For me, I think that in terms of the flow of day-to-day life, that's probably where mindfulness has had the largest impact on my life personally. Would you say that you've become more mindful in the last several years? Hmm. Um, I think I've... The, the short answer is yes. The longer answer is I think that I've particularly become more mindful of my own tendencies as a person Mm -hmm. and really become way more mindful of my own relationship with my own emotions Mm -hmm. and my own relationship with my own reactions. Mm -hmm. So for me, my tendency is towards being a little bit more critical. Mm. I'm a skeptic by nature. I I look for the reason that the plan won't work. Mm -hmm. And that's just how I'm wired. It's it's how I've been wired since I was five years old. You know, like I... Five days old. Yeah, five days old. As dear as I could tell, (laughs) I more or less came out of the womb feeling this way. It's very much on the nature side of the nature-nurture continuum. And when you have that tendency, you have to be aware of that tendency. Mm. And you have to be aware of the way in which... All right, Forrest, I'm in an interaction with another human. Mm. And they just brought me their wonderful plan for how they're going to make money and lose weight while they sleep. And it's going to sell a billion copies and they're going to be on Oprah and it's going to be incredible. Of course, my tendency is to poke all the holes that exist in that idea. But hey, they're a person too. Right. And that moment of, for lack of a better word, mindfulness that exists kind of in between my immediate reaction, my immediate push to know that's a horrible idea, it'll never happen, and you should go and be sad. Mm. Uh, You know, towards framing (laughs) No one will buy your book. (laughs) No one will buy your book. You know, going from that more towards, okay, let's think about this as an idea. Yeah. Let's think about all the effort the person put into this. Mm. Let's take a second to step back, soften the communication, soften my own reaction, and then really interact with it. Because the deep truth is that if somebody brings you that thing and you just like slap their hand, 
that's not actually very useful for them. Mm -hmm. And they're relatively unlikely to listen to you because you're approaching it from such a different perspective. But if you can have that moment of joining, as we've talked about, I think a little bit previously, before you move into the, all right, now here's what we got to workshop about this. Mm -hmm. Um, In general, I've just, I've found that so many times more successful than my initial reaction, which just speaks to the value of mindfulness. Yeah, it goes to what I was saying earlier about for me, mindfulness, one major reason to do it is because it gives you autonomy. Yeah. It puts you fundamentally in charge of your own reactions. So how to actually do that? A couple things I would suggest. One, do something every day in which you are paying attention to your attention. That's one of the great benefits of meditation because it's relatively quiet and you can observe very quickly when your mind wanders off to something else and then you can observe what happens when you bring it back. So do something that trains your attention every day. Two, be mindful of not being mindful. Mm. Notice how your mind wanders. Notice what sweeps your attention away. Uh, As you become more mindful of not being mindful, you'll become quicker at catching yourself before your mind starts to wander. And you'll also be quicker at pulling it back when it has wandered away. Mm-hmm. I would totally suggest that. And then the last thing I would say about uh, mindfulness, and it's it's a bit of a trick based on how your brain works, one of the great things to pay attention to is the internal sensations of your body. So if you imagine tuning into your diaphragm and the internal sensations of it rising and falling as you um, exhale and inhale, uh, or if you bring your attention into the sense of the air coming in as you inhale, it's relatively cool, while the air that you exhale is relatively warm. All that is involved in what's called interoception, Interoception draws on a part of the brain called the insula, which is very involved in tuning into ourselves. And as you tune into yourself in that way, it naturally brings you home to yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's the essence of mindfulness. It's the feeling of coming home. As you do that, your body naturally quiets and relaxes. Your breathing slows, which helps you stay more present. And Uh, with that growing ease of mindfulness, there's a growing sense of contentment and well-being as you come truly home to yourself. Yeah, wow. I think that's a great place to end. So to kind of quickly recap some of the things that we covered in this episode, you gave a lot of framing of mindfulness as a whole, particularly focusing on mindfulness as a neutral tool rather than as either a positive or negative trait in and of itself. It's a thing that we use to do other things. And specifically in the context of what we're doing here, it's a thing that we use to develop inner strengths. We have the whole of our experience at any given moment, things constantly washing over us, ranging from a good small moment where somebody holds the door open for you to a bad moment when somebody cuts you off in traffic. As we've talked about previously, your brain's a bit more wired to notice the moment when somebody cuts you off in traffic. Therefore, you have to spend a little bit of extra attention to notice the time when the person opens up the door for you. I believe that in our next episode, we're going to be focusing on the idea of let be, let go, let in, which are these sort of three fundamental ways that we can interact with our mind. And mindfulness is a big part of that stew. So thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you, Forrest. Thank you, Forrest.